Hey guys, welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton, and uh, we're doing two this week, guys. Uh, a special second episode um, this week as we had a chance to talk to the one and only Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio, a longtime figure in the world of Star Wars podcasting, and I get a chance to kind of dig into his experience with um, the old days from the Force cast all the way up to Rebel Force Radio and, and how podcasting has shaped his experience as a Star Wars fan. This is a pretty meta one, guys, and we really dig into kind of what our experience has been like as, as podcasters and how fandoms changed over over time. So if you're a listener to Rebel Force Radio like I've been a long time, uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But guys, we'll be back next week with uh, another regularly scheduled episode. We'll do some more of these interviews as well. So hope you enjoy. Without further ado, on with the show. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Ladies and gents, let's welcome him back. It's been far too long, but back to the Star Wars Report podcast one last time. Like like they used to say for Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's Mr. Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report, man. Hey, Riley. It's great to uh, be hearing your voice. It is uh, We go way back. We go way back. So right? I, I'm very happy to make this, this, this appearance on the Star Wars Report. One last time. What's the? What is that from? It's. It was from the um the home video, right? Yeah, come on, you know. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety-five, the yeah. THX. Yeah, that's right. THS release yeah, of the original trilogy, and uh, b- by this point, it had been publicly. Uh, it was public knowledge that George was going to go back and tinker with the original films mm. and use new tech to update scenes and stuff. Yeah. So they were playing on that and decided to give like you one great VHS version of the original films. And with that came the letterbox release, which was huge. That was absolutely huge because I had never really seen Star Wars the full picture like that outside of in the actual theaters. Mm. So as Star Wars became more legendary, that version was burnt into my head was the pan and scan. Yeah. From we- the old VHS and the sound quality and the video quality just just blew chunks on those old releases. Yeah, and uh, so when they they finally released the THX versions, I, I was pretty excited about that. That's what I and grew I up with. That's the first difference. ones. Yeah, first ones I yeah. saw were the THX ones. I bought mine at Walgreens, and I I was like, cool man, they they have Star Wars stuff at Walgreens because this was sort of getting toward the end of the time when there was no Star Wars, and it was the mm-hmm. beginning of the new era with the special editions and then the prequels, et cetera, till now. But Star Wars was gone, and it wasn't even really in the public consciousness very much. So to see a display in a Walgreens was like, whoa, Star Wars is back. Yeah, that's, man, I, I think it's, it's, it's funny because I just never, I plugged into Star Wars 
fandom at the end of the prequel era, which, which was, was my yeah. entry into fandom. And it's always kind of odd because in my mind, it, I, I was I was getting all of this hype as I felt like Star Wars was coming to an end. It was it was this weird feeling, like little did I know, of course, that that was not yeah, the case well, at all. Picked up with that. But um, but um, but no, you I, were overseas, so that true story whole experience as a kid just sort of shuts you out of Star Wars a little bit. Your your memory serves you well, man. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. very true. I was um, and I think a lot of you guys who are longtime listeners know it, but like throughout the nineties. I was a 90s kid, but I did grow up overseas, so I just remember being home summer 99, visiting some family. We were home for a few weeks that summer, and it was nothing but Phantom Menace. Like, a buddy of mine had all of the uh, Mountain Dew Pepsi can, like the entire collection <laughs> covering a wall of his room. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was. that was a unique time, and it was my little glimpse of this hyped world of Star Wars that then, like, I never saw a movie at the time. It was still years later as Revenge of the Sith was coming out. I was already mm. like 12, 13 when I first saw Star Wars movies, which was, mm. but, but there was like so much hype for it. There's no way for me not to like, cause I knew it was cool. Cause everybody thought it was cool. Um, yeah. You're like one of those childhood stars who never really had a childhood when it comes to Star Wars fandom. <laughs> Something so like that. You, you're making up for it now in your adulthood. Yeah, I am. And then I'm like shutting it all down so- now. Not really. Kind of. It's it's interesting. Well, and so in a brief, we briefly chatted before beforehand, but I kind of wanted to have this conversation. I think Jimmy, a lot of most of the folks listening to the Star Wars Report uh, are are also Rebel Force Race Radio listeners, and know that like back in the old Force Cast days, that was my first exposure to the world of not just Star Wars fandom, like but online fandom in general. Uh, was Force.net mm-hmm. and then quickly Force Cast because that was right when it was spinning up at the time. And I, I, I know that um, you, you've had the opportunity for some interviews to kind of reminisce on uh, the, you know, the genesis of Rebel Force Radio and the Force cast and, and time. But I, I really kind of just completely selfishly wanted to have an opportunity to reflect on your time in Star Wars fandom because you're a guy I've wanted to pick the brain of for a long time. And as we wind down Star Wars Report, as I retire from Star Wars podcasting, like of, of the guy, I've sort of I've scratched down my list of like guys I want to talk to on air before I wrap it up. And you're top of the list. So I'm really appreciate you taking some time tonight Aww. and talking some Star Wars, man. Sure. Sure. Well, we go way back. And you were always part of those Florida trips mm, yes. that we were taking for Star Wars weekends. Yes. Good around You and Bethany, mm-hmm. who I just saw got married. Congratulations, Bethany. Yes, she did. And, uh, you know, with, with big Steve Glosson yep. and, and the whole gang. And I even told Wendy, I said, hey, do you remember Riley and Bethany from those Florida trips? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. She goes, Air Force, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, well, he's he's retiring from Star Wars podcasting. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't give her like, any ideas, she, I uh, hope. She, she definitely uh, recalls those trips and, and remembers you guys. And, uh, yeah, so we go way back. So when you reached out, I was like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You, you reached out. I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Go. Nice. Well, I'll dive right in. I, I, I do kind of want to know, because your background is as a, as a prolific and very experienced both both on air and and producing traditional radio. And I mm. think 
it's this is gonna this might be weird for you to hear i don't know you actually people probably told it to you before but in a weird way you um and the force cast early days of the force cast introduced me to the concept of the talk radio format as a kid Mm. who did not grow up listening to talk radio i know jason's talked over the years about that being an influence but for Mm. me just imagine how unique that was of seeing that sort of um you know, local talk radio feel in what was then very early podcasting. I was just so enamored with the way you guys talked about something like Star Wars, which here's the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of people say when I talk about like podcasts, it's just us friends hanging out talking. It wasn't that like Mm -hmm. you guys prepared and actually had thoughtful um, conversation shaped around current events and like analysis and and thought behind what influenced Star Wars and what it meant and what the story, like what we could glean from the story um, in a way that I think Star Wars itself lends itself really well to. But I kind of was curious about like those early days as you got on board and, and kind of what you see as the early radio influence into podcasting as you guys were early, you know, early adopters to it. Right, yeah. I did a... Uh radio show for CBS when uh, Revenge of the Sith was coming out. Mm. And I drove to Indianapolis and I interviewed all these actors. They were very accessible back then. Mm. Yes, they were. And I I sat there, I talked to them, I'm like talking to Darth Vader, I'm talking to Boba Fett. And the fan in me is freaking out. Mm -hmm. But I was uh, able to build up this collection of interviews and I was able to feature it on certain radio shows throughout the week. And then on Saturday I had an hour special. It was great. And I loved it. It was like the most fun I ever had doing radio. And I've done a lot of fun stuff in radio. So that means something. And Hmm. when I discovered podcasting, it was about maybe a year within, within a year of me doing that star Wars radio special. I was like, wow, this is pretty, well, no, I, I, let's be honest. I was like, oh yeah, podcasting is amateur hour. And I was being kind of snot about it, you know? But when I heard, I finally listened to Jason and Pete and I thought, wow, these guys have great chemistry and wow, they're talking about Star Wars in a way that. I really enjoy because I don't have friends who talk about Star Wars ever. So I'd even know like how to really pronounce some of the character names or planets or ships Mm -hmm. or whatever. And a lot of that stuff is debatable anyway. Proper pronunciation of (laughs) Star Wars terms. But I would hear these guys say the names and stuff. And they were all like, yeah, like nothing. And I appreciated they didn't have that stereotypical nerd approach which I found very refreshing because I don't consider myself a stereotypical nerd. I'm not saying I'm not a nerd, but there's a, there's a stereotype and we all know what it is. Yes. Especially I would say in those, in those early days, I feel like a lot of people thought you had to do that, like that you had to embrace that bit when, when you didn't. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny to talk about it now because nerd stuff is so hip. Mm. Well, no, it's it, well, it was it went from like nerd to 
hip to like ubiquitous it's everywhere to corporate that's where we've landed now oh, it's so what, true. It sort of made the full uh, revolution Boy. and what a long strange trip it's been but uh, it has. I'm glad you broke it down for me that way. I, I, I even visualize a sort of like wheel of, uh, <laughs> of progression. But no, it is. It's, it's also kind of weird having been because like by by most metrics in terms of Internet fandom, like podcasts and now like YouTube and God help us, TikTok, um, we, we've sort of uh, like Star Wars reports old by those standards. And you guys have been around longer, but it's sort of like we've been this witness to this odd evolution of like fandom and i don't think it just applies to star wars i think it applies a lot across the board but like you guys were in the door at the beginning in a way that i thought sort of you had the opportunity to define it when the when the kingdom was smaller in in a in almost a good way because i remember like those early days i feel like maybe it's just my own exposure to it and i was just unaware but like the force.net rebel scum the early collecting world really kind of is was it was so alive in the way that I think that you guys knew that the only source of life for star Wars was that niche part of the fan community in a way. In some way, I think that there was like this weird responsibility to keep this communities, this fandom of star Wars going in a way. Mm. Well, I only know one way to do it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And it, it is that old way that you look back at. And even, you know, back then I thought it was uh, progressive the way we were approaching things because, like I said, we've been through the dark times where there was no Star Wars. Star Wars went away. Yeah. And then it slowly, slowly came back. And that was really interesting to watch all that go down. And then by the mid-2000s, it was starting to get more organized um, online presences were becoming more accessible to obtain. Yeah. And um, I never found myself really driven to contribute to a website or anything. I didn't know anything about how all that even worked. Yeah. Writing code and, 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 and building websites and all that stuff. It seemed very complicated and time consuming for me. Mm-hmm. But when the podcasting came on the scene, I said, ah, now this is something I can do. I could contribute to this. But I didn't even know how to even get that started. Yeah. How do you start a podcast? I don't know. <laughs> and then I was hearing um, Jason and Pete do it and utilizing technologies like Skype, which was very new at the time. Yeah. I was in a meeting with CBS Radio where we were introduced to Skype by Skype representatives. It was the first time I ever heard of anything like this. Hmm. Little did I realize how much I'd be using it. (laughs) And they encouraged us to use it for certain things, too, at CBS. Early on, they were in a partnership with Skype. Yeah. I don't know. It was an advertising partnership. But um, Skype had their own phones back then. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we all know how reliable Skype was in 2007 and 8. Oh, we always make fun of that uh, weird noise it would make when you were right in the middle of a sentence and it would go just out of nowhere. What what the hell was that? I have no idea. I think it was an actual gremlin. So, yeah, we we used to be very uh, heavy-handed editing all of those weird little blips and bleeps out. It, It drove me nuts, especially in the early days of Skype. But 
those guys were using it and I was hearing it. And I, I thought to myself, wow, they really sound like they could even be in the same room with each other. This is very, very cool. And so as I was listening to these guys and I'm having all these moments of discovery, by the end of the week, they'd only been on for like three months at this time. So I was just burning through their catalog. Didn't even have an iPod at the time. Mm -hmm. I was burning CDRs and <laughs> listening to them on my commutes. Yep. And... um by the end of that first week, I was like, I think I can contribute to what these guys are doing. And this is great because it was like 19, oh, I'm sorry, it was 2000, <laughs> it wasn't that far back. It was 2006. Yeah. And I had known about a Star Wars celebration coming up in LA mm -hmm. in the next spring. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to know people at this thing? Because I'd go to the conventions in Indianapolis, and it would be me and my brother. Yeah. And um, I brought my my son to one of them when he was six. And it was just us, you know? And I just kind of felt like so many people seem like they know each other around here. What's up with that? But there were a lot of online fan groups and local fan groups and all of this stuff. And I don't know. I tried to get myself uh, in good with a local Star Wars group, and it just wasn't really happening for me. No mm. fault of theirs, but it just, uh, you know, I wasn't compatible with their scene, I think. Yeah. So I felt like it would be fun to sort of just carve away my own corner in, fan, in the fan base. And uh, Philip Wise, TheForce.net, Rebel Scum, Dustin Roberts, mm -hmm. they, uh, they gave me... A, a good platform to do it. Yeah. As, for sure. Yeah. They, they, they were, it was through that, those websites where I was able to get into the most ears. Yeah. And it makes, it just makes sense. You're a radio guy and it's, it's because it's my introduction. And I think it sometimes has an outsized nostalgia for me um, as it was at my introduction to star Wars fandom. But even when I think about like those early star Wars fandom sex, whether it was the, the board games or the EU back in the day or, where there's you know costuming and local fan groups, um, for me the 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 radio format just clicked. It just it was a way I think specifically because as as many things as Star Wars is, and Star Wars is many things, it's a a mythology that makes us pause and think. You know the classic line is like, "What's your Death Star? Go blow up your Death Star." I love that line from Fanboys. Um, who mm -hmm. you guys like? That was your introduction to Kyle Newman back in the day, who's the director of the film, but. I, I it that that um, there's a there's a depth there's a level of inspiration um, that comes from the story itself the mythology that I think lends itself perfectly to a a talk radio format and and that's why in my view in terms of Star Wars fandom whether it's listening to podcasts and then eventually starting starting this one it there was no other way to to think of it yeah yeah you know I I think that we did sort of establish something of a template mm -hmm. for a certain group of people who ended up becoming Star Wars podcasters. Yeah. Some of us... Um, I mean, you can blame me. That We followed that template. I'll be the first... <laughs> you don't well, have to talk around And that. you've told me that in the past. You've never... You've never, like... See, I admit it, that though. that from see, here. I, see, I admit it, though. That's, that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, now it's just such an established thing. I think sure. a lot of people get it. I, I think it wouldn't... 
even beyond Star Wars podcasting. I think people heard what we were doing and said, oh, I'd like to do that with uh, Smallville or I'd like to do mm-hmm. that with Seinfeld, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I appreciate that. I like that. I felt like for me, it was just a clean slate and such a fresh medium. I thought it deserved to be more than just audio blogs. Mm. I thought it, it deserved much more. I, I value per, a certain level of production and I thought, well, this is just a, a playground for me. I could do whatever I want. I could voice everything on my own. I don't have to get it cleared by any production program directors mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just, it was, um, it, it was a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, and you talk about Star Wars getting corporate radio got real corporate too throughout my career. And so being able to control everything. Yeah. Without having to compromise ever, then yeah, it, it really became something pretty exciting. And Jimmy, then Swank you- was on board because he was a radio fan. He mm-hmm. had worked at a radio station and he had strong influences in talk radio. And then I think we really just established something early on where it needs to be a talk radio format, something like sports radio, where the listeners all know the language we're talking. They know the, the, the characters, the names we're going to be dropping. They know the rules mm-hmm. <laughs> and they know where the games are being played. It, it's all the same with star Wars. So it's like essentially talk sports radio, but just formatted for star Wars. Um, some people have tried to insult us by saying we're morning zoos <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know who you are, <laughs> you know who you are, because I know who you are. But um, that doesn't bother me because I worked on many shows that could be considered morning zoos and I earned a nice fat paycheck doing it too. So <laughs> that's where a lot of my influences come from. And so I think, be, you know, between the two of us, me and Swanker being bringing some diverse styles together, mashing them together and using it to create the format that we would like to listen to ourselves. And the main thing is, and this is a tip for all you podcasters out there, treat it as a conversation, not a presentation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're not doing um, a panel present. I mean, maybe you want to, I don't know. But um, a lot of people feel like they have to educate you as if you're sitting in a classroom yeah. when you're doing a podcast. We, we threw that stuff out the window and said, no, we're going to talk about things. And if people gain any sort of education about the things we have to say, then it's going to happen through natural discussion between friends or me and Swank. Yeah. Well, and, and that's where if you're talking about you know, the influence of, of your radio career and, and kind of, it, it might, I might be at the risk of being slightly too meta, but I'm just going to go there. You you talked about both radio and Star Wars corporate influence over time. It's, you know, one happened before the other, but it seems like you were kind of at the center of both. In your mind, what's that element of um, the independence? What's different about podcasting, the freedom that you have that was, that, that you, how did that shape, I guess, what eventually became Rebel Force Radio? Well, that's a good question. 
And that's a good question. I think it just has to do with um, I'm generally anti-authoritarian by nature. Yeah. And um, sometimes I don't always play well with others. Mm-hmm. And um, that's essential stuff for if you want to work in a corporate environment is, uh, you know, the teamwork and all that stuff. And, I you know, I won't sugarcoat anything. I'm, I'm not the easiest person to work with. Yeah. And uh, how how me and Swank haven't killed each other after all these years is amazing. <laughs> I, but shockingly, our, our friendship has never been better. So <laughs> I find I find that refreshing, though, honestly, like and this is I'm jumping around a little bit. But so as a as a longtime listener who uh, both as my life's radically changed over the years, and I'm sure you guys have many listeners who started out listening young and have listened mm. for many years. But like in my mind, what I what I've heard and what's been so refreshing is the the evolution of the show. Is if it's it is not at all the same show it was when the Force Awakens was coming out. It's not at all the same show it was when you guys were doing weekly Clone Wars episodes. All the elements, the character, the core, like who you guys are. Because and listen, this is people call it Morning Zoo. They talk about talk radio. Here's what here's what's important about it. It's honest. If it doesn't matter if it's performative, if it's honest. And so even though you're, you're, the format that you guys do is a performance, it's not like a casual, you know, pretending there's no audience there. You put a lot of work and effort. It's conversational, but still there's a heart to it and an honesty to it that has to be there. And I, I appreciate that kind of evolution over time. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and that's the weirdest thing to me as we get into Star Wars fandom as it's... Um, evolved over time is there there is no room for for growth or change of any kind and that's Mm. where like and i've heard those criticisms of you or of rebel force radio like and i've had you know plenty of overlapping um people in you know whatever the star wars social circle is and it's always difficult for me to like try to explain i think why i value the spirit of independence, even though like I will over the years, you guys have said plenty of things I vehemently disagree with. And I even remember mm-hmm. the first times I was encountering and I would get like pissed off as like a teenager. Like that's wrong. And, or I'd hear, especially early on, not, not you guys, but I'd hear early in the podcasting world, I'd hear like tech podcasters make fun of the prequels. And I'd be, I take it so personally, like, cause I was <laughs> the prequel generation. So I was, I sort of experienced that sort of feeling, but thank God I wasn't on Twitter at the time because then mm. I, w- I would have probably just lashed out and been that idiot that that you see all the time now. And I just really wish that there was more of that sort of genuine room for some independence, some disagreements, and just understanding that we don't always have to like think exactly the same way. Yeah. Well, you talk about evolution, and there are things that I've said on the show that I've done a 180 on. Mm-hmm. There are things that Jason say, says on the show that that piss me off. And there are things that I say that piss him off. Sure. And I think we're more open about talking about that. I think in the past, our format may have just been like, okay, that's your opinion. And, uh, you know, here's my opinion where we wouldn't really butt heads, Mm -hmm. you know, we just let each other say, say our piece and then maybe even just move on, you know? Yeah. But I think nowadays we're a little more comfortable with each other. We know each other much better. Uh, we respect each other a great deal. And uh, there's a strong core to the friendship. We've experienced a lot together. So I think when me and Jason do have an agreement on the air now, mm-hmm. it becomes more of a natural debate that happens in the moment. And I think that keeps the show a little more honest. Yes. 
I don't know if that element was really there in the past. And that may have failed us to a degree um, where we couldn't have, like, just like I said, an honest disagreement about something. Yeah. But now I don't think we worry so much about offending each other if it does happen. Yeah. And that's that's nice. Well, and that takes I, I don't know, that takes genuine uh connection. You can hear that in a show or and, and it and it's something that I like with some of my closest friends that I've developed uh, through Star Wars. Like my buddy Aaron Goins, like he and I are super, super close now. Um he was groomsman at my wedding and like we wow. w- we will fight we will fight over Star Wars stuff and we will mercilessly make fun of each other. But in a way, because we have that sort of foundation, like it's something that we can talk about. Uh, and I can, I can poke fun of like how absolutely awful the, uh, the high Republic comic series is, which I just finished. Um, <laughs> and, mm. and, uh, and I know he's going to disagree with me, but we have, we have a level of, of, of trust there. And I think that's a, that's an important element to like, my personal Star Wars fandom that I didn't really have have an a, an avenue or a way to like express that creatively, and it's kind of tough when you are, are up against a um, a hyper hyper media world where like everybody's uh, a media platform and no one's there to actually have like a genuine conversation about Star Wars when it comes to the the social media side. I think that's like a big mm. part of why I realized that. Like in, at least in the the format of the show, and in over long term in my Star Wars fandom, like why I was ready to close this chapter. One of one of many reasons, a lot of like life stuff and military career stuff that also all kind of came to a head at the same time. But it really is one of those things that it's. I, I'm not like. I guess I, I can sound probably bitter about it, but I'm I'm legitimately. It's made me appreciate Star Wars, the story itself, a whole lot more over the last. I'd say year to two years as I've really kind of refocused back onto the story itself and some of the friendships I've built itself. And I've kind of faded back from certain elements of, of any kind of public fandom, if that makes sense. Oh, so is that why you're stepping down from podcasting? People have asked and no, the simple answer is um, more broad than that, but it is certainly an element as to why. And I, and I would, I would challenge, I would say you and Jason have done that successfully. I, I would say that you, Rebel Force Radio as a platform has been more focused on the kind of creative projects you want to put to your audience and making that great. And it's not like you guys are hopping on the latest uh, whatever TikTok trend is to try to market the show. You know, like there's that. Oh, well, wait a I, second. I appreciate now. that. <laughs> I, Swank and I did just shoot some videos with our cell phone Uh-oh. of us wearing RFR T-shirts and twerking <laughs> like crazy people. And that's going to be on TikTok that's very some soon. Fab content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got the twerk. So uh, we're going to fit right in with TikTok. Oh Lord! <laughs> it's out but, in a parking lot. But I, I, I want to kind of push you on that. Is that is that intentional? Has that kind of been the the modern iteration of the show? As you've been able to sort of have more freedom, as you've I would say disconnected from some of the more like I say public, not public, but like the social media um, hierarchy of fandom that that mm. kind of formed. Is that intentional? Well, yeah, see, we never fit in in that hierarchy to begin with. I sure. remember when Twitter debuted, I, I said to Swank, I'm like, ah, this isn't going to bode well for us, man. <laughs> this is not going to bode well. Little did you and, know. And <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people can say that. But, I mean, I didn't mean about our experiences on Twitter. I just meant the scene on a whole. Sure. I felt like was giving um, 
a lot of uh, a large platform to um, just you know to democratize it. Mm-hmm. It's, that much. It just seems like wow. They, you know, people should go through ethics classes before they're allowed to log <laughs> into Twitter. They need to be like you need to be certified before you get logged into Twitter. You need to go through like a training course on things to do and not to do. Just like journalism school. Yeah. Or at least if, well, or maybe if you're a public representative of a large corporate entity, you should. <laughs> I'm just that Well, you know, again, that's playing with a loaded pistol. Yeah, that is. It is. It is. Well, I... And that's for anyone. That, yeah. that goes for anyone. You could be serving drinks at a concession stand at the zoo, or you could own the zoo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, everyone is is just as vulnerable for getting in trouble. But as far as like our relationship to it goes, um, you know, I mean, we we took a stand. We had twenty five thousand followers on Twitter, and we blew up the account. Yeah, only I to was... have somebody else squat on it. I watched that. Star Wars podcaster who shall remain nameless. Yeah. Um, still active, though, by the way. Um, so that's what kind of necessitated our return to Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're better at using it now than uh, we were yeah. back in the day. Um, and I think that a lot of the blow up that happened on social media is a result of the um, enthusiastically received sequel trilogy. Um, I think a lot of that's died down now. Yeah. I think we're in a better place um, than we were even a year ago. I was going to ask you about that because I actually do think, I'm a little optimistic that I there was something uniquely awful about that time. And, and so... I'm in this weird position, Jimmy. I know uh, you you and Jason w- will disagree with me to some point, and, and many people do. So in, I'm in this weird position where I actually, I like The Last Jedi. I think it has some several core fundamental big flaws. But I think yeah. that co- conceptually, and even in largely speaking for me as a fan in execution, it does the job. And I won't yeah. litigate exactly what those are. We've talked about them a million times on the show. But I, I also- had a favorable <laughs> experience at the theater watching that film. And my initial reviews are all out there, and mm-hmm. I stand by them a thousand percent. Yeah. It was the fallout from all of that. It was. It really that was. That really just ruined it. And I couldn't, I was just left scratching my head throughout a lot of it, saying this could easily be prevented, you know? And a lot of it seemed like it was, you know what, rolling down the hill. And it, who sits up on top of the hill? It was well, so, and I that was this weird because I would see the sort of behavior from from Ryan Johnson, who I think felt cornered and persecuted, and only saw and and felt and had that sort of persecution complex and was lashing out publicly. Now I actually understand that. I think that's the thing, and but I think it also happened in the exact reverse for for guys like you guys who came to not appreciate that and maybe even not appreciate the film and this and that was this weird rift that was so sharp for I thought it was like the end of like discourse ever and maybe I, I and and hopefully I'm wrong I like you say hopefully that trend is corrected but it was this weird it, I almost feel like 
I saw you you guys and Ryan Johnson experience this weird parallel like tribal attack from yeah. these factions of fandom that just immediately formed. Wow, that's amazing. Quite the analysis. That's 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 my opinion, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna write that down. Next time anybody ever asks me, because I, I don't I don't explain myself, you know. I, I don't want to. I, I just that's so fair. I could just read that from a card. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know what happened, but Riley says. <laughs> I don't know. Factions I, I only more. have such strong opinions about it because like I was so close to it. And I had mm. I had several friends who were in this in the center of it on on different, you know, quote unquote sides. And it was this mm. weird experience for me personally because I know what to do. Like I um like and, and this is where I have the benefit of retiring, so I don't really care what I say. But like I remember at the time, like some of the times people were like pulling quotes from you guys and can they believe they said this and that? And I would hear the quotes and I would listen to those shows like, man, I really do disagree with that. That was kind of awful. And then I would see like thing vitriol being hurled at you guys like, oh, that's even worse. And then it would like escalate. And I had this weird sense because like you and I uh, had at least some kind of relationship in fandom and like it had very positive interactions. But you're like, there was everybody was planting flags of like who you're supposed to spew hatred at and and there was mm. no more like real discourse. So that's just like my, my honest experience with that weird time in fandom. My response to that is don't blame me for the fire when you're <laughs> the one who threw the match. Oh man. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Well, mm. I, that was kind of cathartic for me. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't planning on oh, bringing good. that up, but um, I'm, glad it's, I'm glad it worked out okay for you, Riley. You know, it, it, as it you did. as you fade away into the sunset. Yeah, I'm full on like last crusading it at this point. Um, but let me let me do cap off because this it's a lot of meta discussion, and I know a lot of the folks listening to the podcast will appreciate the sort of behind the scenes, especially longtime listeners to Star Wars Report and Rebel Force Radio, but. I do want to kind of hit a few Star Warsy things. I can't spend this whole hour <laughs> just talking shamelessly about Star Wars podcasting and how meta that is. Um, yeah. But yeah. from a fandom perspective over the years, what are, now that you've had a chance over time, what are like some of the biggest highlights for, for you now looking back on like the incredible arc that Forcecast and then Rebel Force Radio has? In fact, I actually do kind of just from a personal curiosity point would love to hear like on the force cast side of the early days when you guys are doing it any like personal like highlight moments um well george lucas came to chicago and i got to hang out with him at a banquet mm. at the four seasons in 2009 and i got a couple minutes to ask him some questions with microphones and he was funny and he made fun of my zoom recorder and <laughs> said it was a taser and Asked me not to tase him. Nice. That's always very memorable. The earliest days of meeting people through the podcast, um, meeting Jason and Pete, hanging out with Jason for the first time and realizing that um, that he laughs a lot. <laughs> he loves <laughs> yeah. to laugh. And I'm like, oh, this, this is good for us if he likes yeah. to laugh so much. And having a really interesting connection with all those guys who worked at the websites mm. and building a reputation in the Star Wars fandom community through those connections, going to things like Star Wars celebrations. They, there was yeah. a real excitement about those. Um 
and a real, just like, like a pure, genuine excitement about going to those things and networking with people through those events, having a connection to official picks, mm-hmm. which then made some celebrities a little more accessible to me. Most notably, uh, traveling, going to Japan for with official picks yeah. to just go out there with my microphone and capture whatever I could. Um, and, and walking around Shiba, Japan and Tokyo and all those places. And, um, again, seeing familiar faces then and becoming kind of a regular on the scene, kind of a, a scenester, if you will. Yeah. And enjoying how those doors were opening for me while in the meantime, I felt like my radio career was starting to fail me a little bit the station i worked at at cb for cbs radio was uh, shut down cbs shut it down and uh turned it into an am fm simulcast Mm. and everyone got fired was this around that same time it was all at the same time dang um so yeah it, it, it at this point in time i was about a year into podcasting Mm. and i was interviewing people at CBS radio, Billy D Williams, Anthony Daniels, people like that. Yeah. I'd hear they were coming. And so I said, well, how about a few minutes for the star Wars podcast? Their PR people were cool with it. My bosses didn't care as long as I (laughs) made sure that Billy D Williams recorded a station ID, you know? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, as long as I did that, then I was, I was fine. And, um, so when that station closed down, then I was really unemployed for the first time in my adult life. And all I had was the podcast, not making any money with it, of course, but it gave me something to do. So I wasn't losing my mind and I still wasn't hosting full time either. Yeah. Then I landed at another radio station, a much smaller radio station in the suburbs. And that was very different for me because I had spent two decades, you know, going to school in the city, working at two different radio stations in the city, really high profile jobs and big gleaming skyscrapers with the corner window and my studios were awesome. And then I just was in this like really kind of dumpy radio station on a plot of land with a field and railroad tracks and uh, two buildings and it just felt like something I don't know I felt like I was getting kicked aside or something by radio so I had the podcast and that was at the exact same time I went to Japan and the exact same time Pete Nadel decided he was gonna retire oh wow so I spent two phone calls trying to convince Pete to stay with the show because I had a good feeling about podcasting I'm like this is going to become lucrative soon. The advertising dollar is going to stretch the podcasting soon. Mm-hmm. And we can maybe make a few bucks doing this. But Pete wouldn't have any of it. He was getting married, wanted to start a family and all that stuff. And just his heart just wasn't in it like Jason's was. Yeah. Not to say Pete, Pete's a huge Star Wars fan. It's yeah. just, you know, he was he, he had outgrown it, maybe. Yeah. And so the show, I tried to convince Swank to do the show by himself. 
he wouldn't have anything to do with that. So I, you know, he asked me a couple times and I just kind of ignored it. <laughs> but then he, you know, I finally just said, fine, I'll do it. And so we just started doing it. And so I'm working at this small time radio station that wasn't really giving me the amount of volume as far as work goes that I was used to. Yeah. So I, you know, found myself with a lighter schedule and just more time to devote to trying out this podcasting thing. Is and this... so that was super important to me in those yeah. those early forecast days. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I keep I keep interrupting you accidentally. I've uh, but I have to ask. Um, is this where the phrase, like the sort of mantra, no downtime? I know that's something you've talked about over the no, years. No, no, like no. That came from uh, a radio show that I uh, worked on and, and still do work on, um, the Jonathan Brammeyer show. Okay. And uh, Jonathan is from, uh, nobody calls him Jonathan. We all call him Johnny. Um, he is from Wisconsin, and he has a place way up north on the water. And... Several times he would invite his entire crew to drive up there into the North Woods and hang out with him on a boat and just relax and have fun, take out jet skis and just have a good old time. And we were talking to a guy. I can't tell the whole story, but <laughs> <laughs> he said something. Well, I, I, I can say it. He wasn't drinking on the trip. And when you're in Wisconsin, I mean, I even think they put beer in baby bottles, you know? <laughs> I mean, everyone's drinking in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't. And so we asked him about it, and he said he just didn't really want to drink anymore. Hmm. And he told us a few stories about losing his temper when he shouldn't have and not knowing when to stop and yeah. everything. And then the thing he said was, and then he's just like, and then, you know, there's the downtime between drinking. And that just, you know, makes me want to drink all the time. And we're like, well, that's your problem right there. No downtime. <laughs> <laughs> there, there must be no downtime. No way. And so that became our slogan for the trip. No downtime. No downtime. And uh, so Brandmeier, then when we got back, and we were back to work. All of a sudden, we came in, and on all of our desks were these T-shirts that on the front, it said no downtime, and on the back was a big martini glass. <laughs> so yeah. that became a, a sort of a mantra, no downtime. <laughs> and, um, and so we just sort of adapted that for our radio production and just how we would always be pushing the envelope and always working, trying to get the top guests and yeah. build the best sounds and all that and, and put out the funniest stuff. It was always no downtime. And that was just something that stuck. And so I carry that over into the, uh, the podcasting realm as well. I'll tell you right now, um, I, I, am much more, um, actively embracing downtime mm. than I ever have. Yeah. <laughs> But I just think that comes with, uh, you know, crossing off a few months on the calendar and just no, that's, that's putting fair. things in perspective a little bit. I, I try not to work myself to burnout anymore. Yeah. And I think it's, it's well, and I think it's a natural evolution because I even remember as a, you know, as I, I remember hearing 
that phrase and it resonated with me. It stuck with me all yeah. over the years. Of, like I love that phrase. I was like, oh, well, Jimmy Mack would probably be working late. So I should, you know, like literally I, there, I remember times where I would think about that phrase and it informed like even as I kind of chronicle the last, it's about 10 years and change of Star Wars report. I look at um, like my college years where I was in full-time school, working part to full-time and trying and doing the show uh, and trying to and trying to really like make it a show and get sponsorships and I was like hustling in those d- days and like life's changed for me a lot too as I've as I've you know military career uh, picked up and I finally kind of settled in wrapping up my first duty assignment I'm getting ready to ship off overseas here for a spell so for my life it's like in a weird way I'm I'm uh, a little bit behind you but I already kind of look forward to a time where at least from the Star Wars side of things the idea of uh, my fandom isn't wrapped up with the idea of, um, I don't know, trying to like make the star Wars report the next, uh, you know, mm. the biggest thing. And like, I, I basically, I want to kind of crash, uh, the, the next star Wars celebration that I can get to. It won't be the next one, but, um, just with like my star Wars buddies and hang out. Yeah. And just hang. Yeah. yeah. That's what I used to think too, that I could do that. Um, but I, I, I have acquired a healthy balance between the two because what you what you don't understand is I have the added advantage of really, really enjoying studio time mm. and doing audio production and stuff. And it's something I've done since I was a teenager and I've done it professionally my whole life with, you know, back in the day we were using reel to reel tape and razor blades and splicing tape and things like that. And I was the fastest at that, man. I was yeah. the fastest. I could string up a reel faster than anyone, man. Well, you got three seconds left in the commercial break. Zip, zip, zip. Reel is on and playing. Mm. And I, I have one actually that resembles the same machine that I used for years and years in my studio to my right at all times. Well, that's awesome. Right now, it's it's just a, a place for Puppet Lando to hang out on. I, I don't really spend much time hovering over the reel uh, the reel deck anymore. But every once in a while, I'll have a friend who will ask me if I could digitize the reel, and it always makes me feel good to say yes, I can. <laughs> and um, and so uh, that's just what I'm bringing to the table is a really hearty passion for audio production and radio. And then with Star Wars, it's like the perfect storm for me. I'm I'm really like unstoppable when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. So, and I've cultivated this area of the fan base for myself, and I did so on purpose. Like I said at the beginning, I, I wanted to have a space that was mine. And uh, sure, I do miss the days when I could walk into a place and. People would refer to us as the podcast guys. <laughs> yeah, that certainly does not happen at all anymore because everyone is the podcast guy. Yeah, but um, but I also like to see how the medium has grown and become super healthy, and uh, and where independents like myself can go toe to toe with the big boys. Yep, and um, without any sort of like you know, investments or funding or, or any corporate sponsorships, I can just go head to head with those guys and, uh, Apple will, will keep track of how that Listen, goes. You but. guys, um, you outlasted the star Wars show. So congrats. Oh, well we, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> it was do that standing on one hand this week. 
<clears throat> the Star Wars show. Um, no, you did well, and that's I'm I'm making I'm making light of it, but I I think that there's extreme value in that because I I really do appreciate how the that level of independence is weirdly speaking as much as everybody's has a podcast now right um a, a kind of strong independent and now i would say much more non-corporate uh feel that the show has for you guys and i, I don't mean from you guys but just like has is you guys kind of disconnected from lucasfilm frankly sort of being able to like connect to you guys as the marketing outlet uh, of sorts like connecting the entire cast of clone wars with star wars fandom that was the force cast and then rebel force radio but it, i would argue i honestly appreciate the show more as you guys have sort of adopted your own more fiercely independent voice in the sort of cacophony of podcasts and i'll give this illustration as we kind of and we're going to close down the show somewhat soon but i i had to jot it down because i tried just the other day i was kind of curious about star wars visions and i'd subscribed to this podcast never listened to it but the the d23 insider podcast so disney produced their mm. own internal in-house podcast right and um I, I mean no shade at the host or anything but i tuned in because they had an interview with bobby moynihan i'm like oh bobby moynihan funny guy you know saturday night live very plugged in involved in star wars this big star wars fan I bet this is going to be a riot. That's going to be a fun time. So I tune into the podcast and I immediately get what I can, especially because I've been on the other side of this, what I immediately know is just a, a pre-canned list of questions of, so what was your favorite role in this thing? And what uh -huh. did you, and it was, and I could just, I could almost could see Bobby Moynihan's like, eyes rolling into the back of his head of boredom, just not getting to actually nerd out on anything Star Wars wise. <laughs> right. When, when trying the whole to talk, time there's he played a, a freaking bed underneath it going. <laughs> <laughs> he played a freaking rock opera hut, emo hut kid. Like this should be a hilarious, wild, wacky interview. <laughs> so I, Maybe we'll talk to him someday on RFR. I don't know. That's what I wanted. So all I was thinking this whole time was like, him, oh, so. I want to hear, I want to hear this guy, but on Rebel Force Radio. That's what I want to hear. Well, um, yeah, because it wouldn't be all cut up like a promo piece like Disney always does. They they hyper edit their stuff. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's just there's nothing natural about it. So that's what we go for. Is just a little bit more of a get to know the talent behind the characters or uh, yeah. the behind the scenes players and like just get to know them that's why we ask the yoda questionnaire mm -hmm. because that really levels the playing field because then you're asking just really the most straightforward simplest questions about star wars that any star wars fan would have a very passionate immediate yeah. answer for that's true so it's uh it, it really levels the playing field in that regard to where we're all just star wars fans talking about star wars and yeah. it's not somebody say oh is it okay if i say this is it i don't know i can't talk about that and, you know all that stuff the, that, that I, gets tiresome. I, can't, I can't talk about that has become an art form <laughs> yeah I, well i always preferred mark hamill's approach where he would just say it's possible it's possible <laughs> just yeah. kind of shrug his out his shoulders and it's possible. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if you, maybe talking to the the future a little bit, um, 
how do you guys how do, how do you see the the shaping the future of Rebel Force Radio, especially in the sort of Disney Plus era of Star Wars that we all sort of find ourselves in? I, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it, but it is a little bit odd that like the the biggest conversation piece in fandom is finally, thank God, no longer the sequel trilogy. It's like all of these Disney Plus series. Like they freaking they just put out a um and I I don't know if you've seen it, the um the Star Wars soundscapes yeah. or whatever it was called. <laughs> and that, and I was like, that's some pretty sweet content. But like Disney Plus has become sort of the focus of of Star Wars content now. But how does that how does that shape like Rebel Force Radio's content? Whoa. Um we like to keep the show to a weekly news talk format mm-hmm. with listener feedback via email and voicemail and uh, you know, taking a sidestep into like Star Wars and pop culture or discuss collecting or uh, do interviews with um, all kind of uh, notables and celebrities. But when those those shows come out on Disney plus they all deserve their own standalone conversation. And so we've adapted the format. Um, in the past we used to do the round table format. Yeah. And now we're more doing a live stream format on YouTube where we'll spend the first half of the show talking me and Jason and occasionally a special guest, but usually just me and Jason talking about the show and then the second half of the show, taking live calls. Mm. And I don't think there are too many Star Wars podcasts that really do that approach with the live calls and yeah. stuff. And we, we have a call screener and everything. And it's really, really cool. And again, that takes us just another step closer to live talk radio. And when that happens, and obviously we're doing two shows a week. And this is going to be a very busy year. With Star Wars, you're going to have the bad, starting off with the Book of Boba Fett, going into the Bad Batch, and or, and then Kenobi will be in there somewhere as well. So there'll be a lot of after show opportunities. And that will mean the show will eventually evolve into a, a two show per week release schedule. Yeah. So I anticipate. It means a lot more work for us, Um, but it's always fun. I mean, it really energizes my day when those new episodes drop and I know I'm going to be having a really deep conversation about them in just mere hours. And I think that really gets a lot of people excited too. Um, So we'll have to be flexible with the uh, schedule of these after shows. They might be the day of the show release or the day after. Because we'll also be doing regular RFRs during the week. So yeah. that is what's going on. And then, of course, we do additional programming on Patreon. Uh, Rebel Force Radio can be found on Patreon. And we have different level tiers featuring bonus podcasts um, and uh, full show video. So there's a, many more plates spinning than even there were two or three years ago with the show. And it seems to be just growing and growing. And that's all dependent on the programming that Lucasfilm is releasing via Disney plus. Yeah. And, and so that was a a non-factor a couple of years ago, three years ago. So now with that in play, it expands our programming schedule. 
Yeah, it's 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 so much content, but I I really as a longtime listener really enjoy hearing you guys be able to to break this stuff down. It almost is a way of make making sense of the sheer volume mm-hmm. of of content. It's, it's difficult as somebody who's tried to keep up with this stuff. It's, it's it gets pretty tough, but I I almost in the in the pandemic era, it's actually I think become more manageable and more normalized to be able to expect all of so much fresh content on a streaming service. It almost seems like too good to be true. If you told told me like five years ago that this would be how we get this much Star Wars content, come on. Mm-hmm. I just dread the day when the show drops that I really don't connect with. Sure. I kind of think it's impossible, though. I really do. Because it's Star Wars, it's lightsabers, it's blasters, it's starships, it's exotic planets and weird creatures and... All this stuff mm. will be present, I believe, in Star Wars storytelling for a long time. And so I think I, I, I am going to be pretty um, enthusiastic yeah. in my approach to each and every one of these series as they drop. So yeah. I've been very pleased thus far and cannot wait for the Book of Boba Fett. Oh, dude, that is what I'm by far most excited for any Star Wars project coming. Book of Boba Fett is is going to be awesome. It is. It's going to benefit I think from a lot of the storytelling. I love Mandalorian, but sometimes I think the pace is a little wonky. Um mm. but I I think that the fact that it's a shorter series and the fact that they've been at they've been up to the bat for two seasons now of Mandalorian, I think it gives the a chance for a guy like Robert Rodriguez to really knock this one out of the park. Um so I'm I'm really I'm hyped. That's that's the one if you ask me I'd be most hyped for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun this winter, and for it to be dropping right at the end of the year, right in the middle of the holiday season, it's gonna generate a ton of buzz, oh. just a ton of buzz. Yeah, no, so definitely, we're really excited about it, and and that's another thing too, is I really love the mainstream buzz these shows get mm. on Disney Plus, specifically The Mandalorian. Yes, but The Clone Wars is really exceeded my expectations as far as the embrace of mainstream and its stature among fans and non-fans alike, how Ahsoka is becoming well-known even beyond Star Wars, like Star Wars fans, hardcore Star Wars fans. I think The Mandalorian has a lot to do with that. But uh, it's pretty cool to see how it's growing, new ways of delivering content to us, and then new things for us to react to (laughs) for better or for worse. But (laughs) being a star Wars fan, uh, you know, you you get the best of both worlds, I think. And uh, some people just get, they, they treat it like it's, it's so precious. You, you can't possibly say anything ill about it. And that goes on with all sort of fandoms. And, Mm -hmm. and I understand that. I understand that. But I also kind of look at, like to look at things with a, a critical eye naturally and and we know so much about how these films have been made and 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 their history and their background and all of that stuff so it's really interesting being like an expert level fan <laughs> <laughs> it's almost impossible to um 
it's almost impossible. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, no, that's true. And 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 you know what? To, to, in summary, it is it is a very unique and I, and even for me, Jimmy, unexpected time of of just some incredible stories coming on it. And I'm I'm uh, more than excited to continue to kind of chronicle it as we close down the podcast, and then just transition to a guy that really likes like uh, hopping and texting my buddy Aaron on uh, how crazy that weird Star Wars Visions episode about the rock opera was, uh, which might be my favorite episode, not even going to lie. Um, Jimmy Mack, that's a, that's a show. That's that's a a long and, and dare I say, very self-indulgent interview on my part, and I really appreciate you being willing to come on and not just talk Star Wars, but kind of dig into the weeds of your fandom and, and really kind of speak to the the elements of, of Star Wars fandom in the early days that really, you know, got me into it and were a big part of my story as well. So thank you so much for your time tonight, man. Oh, man, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for all of your service to Star Wars fandom. I mean, you've done this for a long time. Uh, what year did the Star Wars report start? 2011. Also, oh, 10 years, like yeah, a, a right decade, yeah. a decade of service. It doesn't feel like it, but yeah, that's true. It's crazy. And uh, I always thought you sounded good. I remember when you debuted, I was I was st- still able to kind of monitor the Star Wars podcasting scene back in the early days. Sure, sure. There were only a handful of shows, so it was easy to do. And when something new popped up, I would always just give it a spin just to see what it sounded like and just to get myself familiar uh, with uh, who's out there on the playing field and everything. Nowadays, I am (laughs) so disconnected that I I just I I can't even. And it's better that way. Uh, Yes, it is. It's much better for my mental health. But um, I remember hearing you. I think it was on the EU cast. Dude, I've, I'm shocked that you heard. That was my very first like attempt of any kind. I I wanted. Yes. I, I tried out. I tried out and lost <laughs> to be a co-host. Oh, there's a tryout. There was well, a tryout between like <laughs> two of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn. Yeah. True. Um, but I, you know, I didn't really know what was up. I just knew that there were podcasts there, and it was after. Man, it was after one of those conventions. I want to say like 2010. I think it was pr- probably fan days. I think that was the first time we got to, no, to meet in person. Was, no, you know what? It wasn't. It was um, it was 2010. It was Celebration that year. Yeah, because I was checking everyone out to see what their coverage was like yeah. of the convention. I wanted to hear what everyone's experience was like. And I, I heard you for the first time. And I was like, "Hmm." Now this guy, he sounds he he sounds different. He sounds much more comfortable behind the mic. He has a rapid fire style that I like. Um, <laughs> there's almost like a. While I say you sound comfortable behind the mic, there's always this this um, feeling that you might drive off the road at any time. <laughs> and I always like that. Um, you know, just like because you get flummoxed. Oh, I do, and and, and that's always very entertaining. <laughs> especially, let's just... be honest. Especially when Steve Glosson's on the show, I don't know what oh, yeah. effect that man has, but like the <laughs> nervous energy. <laughs> but I, I always thought you just had a real nice relationship with the microphone, and I thought you had a good approach and a good presence 
as a podcaster. And I noticed that right away when I heard you for the first time. So it doesn't surprise me that you've done a decade plus of talking into a microphone about Star Wars. I'm really not surprised at all. And I really enjoyed your show when it was you and Bethany mm. because I love the dynamic oh, yeah. of a brother-sister podcasting team <laughs> talking about Star Wars and stuff. And I just really thought that was, was endearing almost. Yeah. And so uh, good on you, man, and congratulations. Uh, you've done a great job, and... Uh, something tells me you'll get the itch and you'll find your way back <laughs> behind a microphone. I don't know if you'll be talking about Star Wars or, uh, yeah, or what, or you're, you'll have stories from your time overseas. Or you'll have <laughs> something that you'll need to share with people. No, so. I will. Um, I will be back. Uh, I don't know how that shape will take after my military career, however long it is, but I will. I'll be back behind a microphone. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 one of those things. I, I have the itch, as you say. I I, I love it. It's. Something I'll never forget. And you know what, Jimmy, uh, Bethany's coming back on. We're definitely going to have her back a few times before we close out, close up shop. So it'll be a good time. You um, gotta. Yeah. But all right. I, I guess I'll, I, if I would normally be like, well, hey, plug a Rebel Force Radio. But I feel like if, if you're listening to this and you don't immediately was- go check it out, come on. Um, <laughs> I will say this, though. I'm going to plug y'all's Patreon because, well, one, we, we shut ours down. So mm. you have no excuse. Head, head over Rebel Force Radio's way because I really have enjoyed. Um, the Q and A episodes. I miss, and I'm sure you guys have heard this. I miss the um, as a as a Patreon supporter. I always loved the the drive, the 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 commute home podcast. But I know those oh, weren't the rush feasible, hour, the rush hour. But the uh, the Q and As have kind of taken the place, and I really enjoy the um, the kind of off off topic. Uh, you and you and Jason are a lot of fun uh, when you get to dive out of the realm of star wars so mm-hmm. i'm there's there's your plug it's patreon.com slash rebel force radio uh, and Thank you can you. check out bonus content there but of course t- uh, tune in the podcast if you don't so because there aren't any other star wars podcasts now that this one's shutting down that's the that's the secret nobody no <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no 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 um jimmy thanks so much uh for your time tonight and and give my best to the family all right Yes, absolutely, and uh, and likewise. And con- again, congratulations and best of luck with your your military career. I think um, I think you're the right man for the job. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs>